listening to the Dudes and Dads podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lehman. Joel, welcome back. I'm super excited about this episode here. Uh, Our guest today is one that I've been following for a long time. He's a podcaster uh, also, so I've I've been following him and, and... for the longest time, wanted him to get him on our show. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about this episode, Joel. It's it's like we get to have our heroes on this show. You know, that's what I love. And when, uh, yeah, there, Andy, uh, I've just become convinced that there's just a really lot of interesting people out there. And the more of them that we can get to share their story, uh, it just makes for a good time, especially especially when we're all cooped up inside our houses right now and we need to believe that there's a different way uh, ahead of us uh, uh, maybe uh, the promise of a different kind of future uh and so we're going to get outside the house uh on this episode so to speak uh so yeah looking looking forward to it so andy let's let's uh let's find out who we got with us all right tonight. so this week we have uh, jason epperson jason is a uh dad he's a husband and he's a full-time rver and so that's kind of what what kicked me off for this because i love camping and uh and i would love to do full-time rving and so i thought hey what better uh person to have on the show than jason so hey jason welcome to our show thanks for having me guys so right now, um, I'm just going to have to ask, you look like you're in a lot warmer weather than we are. So where are you at? <laughs> uh, I am in the the Verde Valley, or actually it's the Verde Valley. It's spelled Verde, and it's named because of the greenness of the area, but they call it the Verde Valley here in Arizona. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds uh, like white people just mispronounced it and then it stuck. It That's what it we sounds. Got, <laughs> we got a little trouble on our podcast for it because we kept calling it Verde. And there's another town uh, in Texas, uh, Blanco, Texas. It's not Blanco. It's Blanco. And don't, <laughs> don't you dare say it wrong. Uh, this, this was Mexico at one point. All right. <laughs> I, I, I took Spanish. This is Verde. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we are so it is it's been over 90 degrees for the last five or six days here um and we're i mean we came up from tucson uh about six weeks ago where it's much hotter down there now uh and you know arizona has a lot of a lot of higher country so we went up in elevation and now we're starting to look (laughs) look at when can we go up in elevation again because it's going to be in the 90s for um for the foreseeable future, but I'll take it over, you know, thirties and forties. Anyway. Right. You guys, you guys originally <laughs> originated from Chicago. So you understand the kind of weather that we're going through in Indiana here. Right. It's, it's yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> we spent, uh, I lived in Chicago for 16 years, but I also grew up in Western Illinois. So, gotcha. uh, Midwest is, is, uh, you know, the, in the Midwest though, I feel like the forecasts are, are much more accurate as much as we complained about them when I lived back there. Here, they'll say it's going to rain one day and it doesn't. They'll say it's not going to and it's going to pour. They'll say it's going to be 80 and it's 95. It's all over the place. Anyway, so, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, you, I mentioned that you are a full-time RVer. How long have you guys been on the road? Almost. It'll be four years, September 1st. Awesome. So what kind of got you out and going on, on the road? What made you make or what helped you make that decision to go full-time? So when, when we lived in Chicago, I was working two full-time jobs and, uh, I was, I was, to, you know, to be crude, I was making over a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars 
um, but barely able to make ends meet and uh, barely seeing my kids. And, and that was a real challenge for us. And uh, one of my jobs was uh, as, a, as a professor at a college, and that was a five-year contract that ended. So, you know, I was looking for new ways to make money. And, um, and we built this website that was um, uh, a news website for the performing arts in Chicago. We were, uh, my wife and I, Abby, we were both in the theater community in Chicago heavily. And um, we built sort of this niche news website for Chicago theater and performing arts. Uh, and that slowly started to become our, our primary job. And uh, I ended up leaving the other full-time job I had. And uh, at that point we realized that we weren't tied down to anything. So the intent wasn't to go full-time right away. We just thought we would travel a lot mm -hmm. because we could work remotely. And we, we actually had started watching lots of videos on YouTube of people building out school buses into RVs. Um, we thought we'd never have the money to build an RV or, or to buy an RV um, that we, at least that would fit our family. You know, we have mm -hmm. three kids and we wanted them to all have their own bunks and not something, you know, like a dinette you have to convert or something sure. like that. So we built out exactly what we wanted into a school bus conversion. Um, I did that over the course of a, a summer. We, we did it on, in February. We, we began it in February. And over the summer, I was building it. And in the meantime, our landlord told us that they were raising our rent by $400 that year. And we were already paying like $1,500 a month. Man. Um, so we thought, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll just, when we, when we get the RV finished, we'll just uh, move into it for a little bit, maybe a year, maybe what have you, you know, and then we, we did September 1st of that year. It wasn't quite finished. Uh, we were still doing some building on the way and, uh, and we started traveling and we haven't stopped since. So Jason, I, um, clearly, uh, a Jack of all trades here, my friend, <laughs> um, uh, the ability, cause I, I know from, I know for myself now, like, I did framing house framing in college and I, yeah. I consider myself relatively handy, but yeah. to go from college professor to bus overhauler and full-time <laughs> RVer, uh, was there, I mean, what's the learning curve on, on these things? Well, the, the thing I was teaching in college is technical theater and lighting design. So I was already doing sort of a lot of construction and, and electrical stuff. Um, the thing that, uh, I was totally clueless about is anything automotive. Um, mm -hmm. uh, not a clue. I've always been sort of, that's never been in my wheelhouse, not something that I really got into. And then I go buy this. I mean, we literally drove to Ohio and bought this bus and I drove it back and Abby's trying to figure out where we're going to park it on the way back. <laughs> and she's like calling different, you know, different storage yards and stuff. So I was, and I, I let alone being clueless about a gas engine, a, a giant diesel bus I, I had I had no clue about but um, so the so the build out stuff was easy it was sort of more the maintenance along the way that I was really having to learn uh, uh, on a whim but you know you sort of get scrappy you get thrown into an environment like that and you just have to learn and thankfully there's things out there like YouTube I don't know where we would be today without <laughs> right. YouTube yeah. uh, to teach us how to do absolutely everything yeah, I, I just, um, and that's for our listeners, uh, the, so be, 
because like you said, when you're thrown into a situation like necessity is the mother of invention, yeah. um, would, would you feel that just like, does it, did it feel like some certain pressures in your life sort of kind of all came together at the time to, to make this opportunity available to you? Like, do you, if, if things had not been kind of, uh, if you hadn't had the rent go up and if you, if your contract hadn't ended and these sort of things, do you think things would have gone a different way, um, than, than what they ended up going? 100%. I, I think it, it all was, um, you know, it, it all came together exactly, uh, you know, what, whatever you believe in, but, uh, exactly as there maybe was a plan for or something. It just, yeah. it, it just sort of worked out really well. And, uh, and then we hit the road and we sort of were able to, um, use some of those. We continued our theater website and then we started building out know a lot of what we do now based on what we learned from that mm -hmm. um so that was sort of like the precursor to it so now you know with our websites and blogs and podcasts and stuff we've sort of learned all the social media techniques and and learned building websites and all that sort of i didn't know i didn't have a clue about building a website but you know i just sort of learned that again from youtube and and uh and went from there YouTube is definitely one of the best things. I know like <laughs> podcasting for me, I've learned learned that doing, you know, YouTube and watching lots of videos too. And I've been doing it for yep. a while. But um, but yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, parenting on the road. That's gotta be something, you know, completely different for me because I you know, I'm I've I've gone on road trips. We took a, th a two week road trip a, a year ago and like by the end of the week we were like all ready in you know, each other's hair. But like how does that look <laughs> for you guys as far as parenting and, and like uh, Specifically, let's even talk right now about spending time with your kids. Like, do you have like ways that you get away? With, you said you have three different kids. Um, all of them are yeah. boys. Uh, do you like do special dates with them? Like, how how does that look for them? You parenting them? Well, I'll say we're still figuring it out. Sure. Um, first of all, I think everyone's but, figuring that out right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, as kids get older, everything changes uh, year after year. Uh, I've got my oldest is twelve, and. Uh, that's quite the year, at least for him. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, tr thinking he's much older than he is, but still being a bit of a kid. And, you know, it, it's, uh, we're, I would say it's not that much different from when we lived in an apartment. Okay. You know, um, we, other than the fact that we're with them all the time, but my wife was always with them all mm -hmm. the time. Um, the challenge is, is more for us, it, it's not about being full time RVers. It's about the fact that we both run this business full time, mm. and and when you run your own business, you always have the laptop in front of you, and it's you have to remember to like set your own hours and say this is when I'm going to stop, this is when I'm going to have family time, and you can't think of like you need to solve every problem at every minute that it comes up because their their problems are endless. Sure, um, especially what we do, like you know, both of our websites are news based. So if there's something breaking, we feel the need to like go write about it right away mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And, and you just really have to at least have one of you making sure to take the time instead of both of you working all the time. And we started homeschooling before we started traveling. Um, our oldest is the only one that's ever went to a, a, a regular school. My wife grew up homeschooled. Okay. And our, our oldest went to kindergarten and first grade. In, in Chicago public schools. And um, it, it was a challenge for him, you know, so it was, 
you know, 35 kids in a classroom and he had needs that weren't being met. Um, my wife was really pushing for homeschooling and I was, I was reticent. And, um, uh, but at some point, uh, well, I just realized that it wasn't working out for him and we were doing just as much as work at home. So we started homeschooling and um, that, that opened up so much for us. That was another reason we were able to leave at, you know, at any minute. Um, but that, that there's so much freedom in the fact that you don't have to get up and, you know, drive your kid to school at seven in the morning and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but that's also still one of the biggest challenges of, you know, trying to get them to do their work and not argue. And, you know, kids like to argue with <laughs> sure. you a little more than they would with another adult and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but we do try to, we do try to take time for each of them. You know, I'll try to take one of them on a hike at some times. Um, they all have different interests. My uh, middle child is really, um, is really into dance and ballet and mm -hmm. stuff. And my, my wife has a musical theater degree, so she'll often take him to a show somewhere. It doesn't matter where we are. You know, if there's something going on, she might take him uh, somewhere for back home with family. Um, the, we don't often get time for my wife and I to be separate from sure. the kids. Yeah. Um, but it happens sometimes. You know, we meet lots of people on the road, lots of people in campgrounds, um, uh, lots of people that are members of some of the organizations we're involved in. And sometimes we'll take turns, you know, watching each other's kids and stuff like that. So it works out there. There are, there are positives and negatives. Um, but you know, overall it's a net positive. The kids are, are learning a lot wherever we go. Um, you know, we get to say like we spent uh, our first year, we spent two months in New Mexico and we did a lot of studying of native Americans mm -hmm. and, we get to go to all these Native American heritage sites and see how they lived and, uh, you know, be up close and personal with it instead of just reading about it in a book. And, and uh, that's, that's worth everything. Yeah, absolutely. We, we homeschool too. We've always done that. Um, our son, our oldest son, uh, we just felt originally that he needed, you know, a little bit more one-on-one -on -one attention. Um, and so we, we pulled our kids or we started doing homeschool uh, from the beginning. And yeah, like you were saying, there's days that, it, it's my wife I think is ready to pull her hair out because they don't listen yeah. to her like they would another adult but I, I agree I totally agree you know those trips that that you can take and and like make it real like when we did our, our two-week trip our two-week yeah two-week trip uh, a couple of years ago you know we were going along the Oregon Trail and we were doing all of those history things and, it, and it's so real when you can experience it firsthand as opposed to just doing it in the book yeah yeah we did a very similar thing to, to that we we followed most of the Lewis and Clark Trail, okay, um, from St. Louis up to North Dakota and 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 a little bit further. And and my middle son got really into Lewis and Clark and exploration and bought spy glasses and things like awesome. that. And you know, it's it, it's it's fantastic to see them like really get interested into it and dive into it and and uh, and learn something new without just sort of you know going through the motions. Sure. How, how would you say, like, with your guys' extended family, like, how have they reacted uh, to your guys' kind of lifestyle that you've, you've taken on? And, and what does, like, connecting with family look like, uh, kind of extended family and friends look like for you guys now uh, in this season? Well, for us, you know, we, in, in Chicago, we were about three hours from my parents. Um, and that was the closest family. So... 
it's different for a lot of people that hit the road full time. I know a lot of people face a lot of resistance uh, from their family, especially if they live in a, in a community where all their family's nearby. I mean, my aunt and uncle grew up in the, uh, my aunt and uncle live in the house next to my grandparents, which is where my dad grew up and they still live in the same house and everybody's in the same neighborhood and they all have the same friends. And, but when I moved to Chicago to go to school, I stayed, I just stayed there and, had I had we still been in my home community, I think there would have been a little bit more resistance. But um, our family was incredibly supportive. My wife's family's in Kansas City, and um, and then we have other family all across the country. My wife's uh, two of her brothers one one lives in Texas, one lives in L.A. Uh, I have a brother in L.A. Uh, my mother and my stepfather live in Tennessee. So we're actually able to get to see them more than we would have otherwise. Awesome. And we can go and spend extended periods of time. We'll spend a week or two or even a month at a time uh, with some family and, and really get to have some you know, close interaction where we, where we really weren't before because I was tied down to my work schedule. And if I needed to take time off, I got my two weeks a year off, you know, and that was it. Yeah. Is there a feeling of, I just wonder, like, uh, the idea of of place i'm get, i'm getting a little esoteric a little philosophical here but the 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 idea of having a home and a place a, a cemented place where where you go at the end of the day to you know your inner sanctum or or whatever yeah. that safe place <clears throat> has is that been have you found that in the same way with what you're doing now or was that it was there a transition i just kind of wonder what that like what home feels like to you uh, as you guys are traveling, uh, the way you do? Well, I feel like, um, there, there are different sides to that coin. I feel like our trailer, we're no longer in the bus or again, me not being a diesel mechanic, we had to get rid of our bus and it needed an engine rebuild and we, but we bought a, a, a trailer. So now we live in that, but both the bus, the bus we were very possessive of, you know, I mean, I built it with my own two hands and with the help of my kids, my wife, and I, I would bring one kid at a time down there to help me work on it and paint and all that stuff. So we really felt a deep connection with, with that. And no matter where we were going home to the bus really felt like home and our new trailer feels the same way as well. And we've, we've had it for nine months now and it really does feel like home, like going to home even more so than I think our apartment in Chicago did. Mm. We lived in that apartment for maybe five years, but I had, in the 16 years I was in Chicago, I probably had 12 different apartments. So none of them <laughs> were right, that attached to. Um, but the, the trade-off is like the neighborhood and the community and friends, I think, that we left. That's the part, that's the part of home that we miss. Mm -hmm. um, and then we don't have, like going to the neighborhood park, it's always the same every week and meeting the same friends uh, for playdates and stuff like that. Now, again, all of those friends that we had in Chicago, they've all moved too. So we're able to take our kids to see their friends that have moved to North Carolina and Wisconsin. And, and they still get to talk over, um, uh, over the internet and, and that sort of stuff. So uh, again, it's all trade-offs. It's all, but everything about RVing in general is trade-offs. You trade off size for freedom um, and stuff for um, for adventures and uh, and there are definitely trade-offs that you make in, in in making that decision and 
Um, I, again, it's a net positive on our end, but, but there are things that we, we miss. And, you know, I guess if we could afford to have a house somewhere that we kept and do this lifestyle, maybe we would, I don't know. It would seem a little bit frivolous because we wouldn't be in it very right. much. Right. And, and like it, it fits who you are. And again, like you're saying, like it's great for the kids to be out and experience new things that they couldn't, if you had, if you definitely had that house. So yeah, you had, you have recently had brain surgery. So let's talk a little bit yeah. about that. And that's a huge, that's a huge thing for you. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about that story. So we, we had, um, we usually spend a decent amount of the summer with family because um, campsites can be hard to get to sometimes. And uh, summer is probably one of the best times to be in the Midwest where most of our family is. So we had just been spending a decent amount of time with family and just gotten back on the road. Um, and we're doing a whole tour of the state of North Dakota, which if um, North Dakota has this interesting thing, they have this, their, their tourism bureau has this tagline that's called save the best for last because most people that are planning to see all 50 states the last one they visit is north dakota uh. <laughs> so uh, and if that gives you any idea that the state is 95 percent farmland you know when people talk about like kansas and uh and iowa being flat north dakota is super super flat like technically it is one of the flattest states if not the flattest but there are so many cool, amazing things to do there. And we were having a lot of fun. We had gone to Fargo. We had gone to Grand Forks. Um, and we were in this town called Minot, North Dakota, which is right in the center of the state. Um, and we were there for a big RV convention, the Family Motor Coach Association's convention. And about two days into it, my, my eyesight started to get blurry. And then it would just go out and back in like completely dark and back. And then I was getting a little bit of a headache um, in the same spot on, on my head. Like if I would cough, I would feel a little bit of pain there. And I just thought it was a headache. Plus I was doing things and I hadn't realized for actually a couple of weeks before that I had been losing my peripheral vision and that's something you don't really notice. Right. And, and I had been uh, blowing through stop signs and things. I, I blew through three stop signs in one week. Wow. And, you know, we got in lots of arguments over it because it was just like <laughs> thinking that I'm just a bad driver or whatever, for whatever reason, I'm not paying attention. But um, then my vision started going completely out. And, and this was at like nighttime. It ended up being like two in the morning. I, I went to my wife and I said, look, I got to go to the hospital. I can't see. Um, and, you know, to be honest, uh, I knew exactly what it was when that happened, mm -hmm. I was like, there's something on my brain clearly pushing on an ocular nerve. Mm -hmm. Like this little headache I've been having is not nothing. I, I knew it was something like that. Um, but I didn't say as much to my wife. Um, <laughs> but so, so we've loaded the kids up in the truck and, and she took me to the, the emergency room in this you know, little medium sized town of Minot, North Dakota. And, uh, I, I, uh, they assessed me there and it just so happened that the neurosurgeon, uh, you know, the hospital has one neurosurgeon and, and he happened to be there at two in the morning because he brought his daughter in because she was sick. Oh, wow. And so he saw a request for a consult and he looked at it right away and he's like, look, um, there's something there. I mean, he showed me the photo and there's like this mass about the size of, oh, I don't know, um, uh, maybe like two, 
two 50 cent pieces um, on, on my brain. And he said, you know, it could be a few different things. It could be cancer. It could be an infection. Um, we don't know. And it doesn't matter. It's got to come out regardless. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have brain surgery tomorrow. <laughs> That's quick. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I, called, I called my wife. And he's like, because they, they didn't want it to do more damage, whatever it was. I called my wife and I was like, now don't freak out. Uh, I'm going to have brain surgery tomorrow. Uh, luckily, it was uh, up against my skull. So it wasn't like they had to like dig down in my brain. Um, so they removed about 80% of it and it ended up being an infection. Um, this stuff called nocardia, which is a bacteria that's in the soil everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and people rarely get infected with it when they do. It's usually like pneumonia or something uh, like that. Uh, mine just happened to present itself on my brain. So uh, they, they pulled out about 80% of it and stitched me back up with the skull piece missing. And uh, I, uh, I stayed about a week in the hospital, wore a helmet the whole time, and then we went, I went home to the RV. Now, this is uh, now the beginning of October in North Dakota. Starts to get real cold. <laughs> sure. Uh, but we booked a monthly stay at the campground that, that was nearby there. And, uh, and I ended up having to have antibiotics for... Um, for about the next eight weeks, IV antibiotics. So I had a port in my arm, and um, and my wife had to go to the hospital three times a day to pick up the antibiotics because they expired an hour after they mixed them. So she would have to go get them, bring them back, administer them to me, and like five hours later, go back to the hospital and lather, rinse, repeat for the next six weeks, and it, it was. It, it was rough um, and God bless her. I'm so glad I, she was there for me. Right. I'm glad I'm, I was married and, yeah. and had, you know, it, you know, we had, it, it was amazing to me though, to find so much community there, you know, being not from there, not knowing anybody from around there. Um, first of all, our friends from all over the country sent so much support. They sent so many care package and uh, packages and stuff like that. Um, family members kept coming coming to us to visit. Um, but the local community, I mean, really helped us out. We, My wife and kids got really close to everybody at the local library. Um, everybody that worked at the hospital was super supportive. We had like play dates for the kids with some of the uh, the pharmacists, uh, children, the Starbucks workers like got to know Abby <laughs> real well. <laughs> she, absolutely. Got to know her by first name. Uh, yes. Uh, as they tend to do wherever we go. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was wonderful to be able to realize that you can just sort of find community wherever you are. And yeah. At the end of October, um, I went in to have a surgery there. We stayed there through that whole time uh, to put the uh, skull piece back in that was mm-hmm. missing, still wearing a helmet all the time. Uh, and not not a cool helmet, by the way, <laughs> let me say. Like, I mean, clearly a, you have a head injury helmet. <laughs> yeah. um, and and uh, that surgery was unsuccessful. So uh, we just gave up and headed back to my parents' house in, in Illinois and stayed with them for the next month and tried to figure out what to do. Um, and uh, we, and I ended up 
getting a surgery at the end of January to put a metal plate in my head. And, uh, and from that point on, we've been back on the road. So that's gotta be super stressful to be in a place where you don't like originally know anybody, your wife has to take you to the hospital and then go back to hang out with your kids because you don't have anyone to watch your kids at that point. Um, exactly. That's going to be really yeah. stressful, but that's really cool to see how the community there came together and, and worked with you guys and, and supported you guys. Yeah. And you know, once, once I was able to get out and walk around, like they ended up giving me like an IV pump that I could wear like a purse and <laughs> nice. be able to go to the, I mean, we went to that mall like five times a week. <laughs> there was not much else to do. So we did stuff like that and hung out at the library all day and stuff. And, and I, you know, I, I can't be more thankful to the people in that hospital, Trinity Hospital, Minot, and, uh, uh, you know, even being a small hospital, we've had lots of experience with some of the best hospitals in the world in Chicago. I had better care than I've ever had there. It was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in the, these times where we, uh, we are again reminded, uh, that the medical professionals and what they, what they do and the care that they offer is, uh, well, it's, it's like superhuman. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the people that I went to, I, I had three appointments a week. And those people I went to were in the infectious disease office. And, you know, I know every one of them by name and I've met some of their kids and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm thinking of them going through this right now. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, absolutely. You know, I, I think about that a lot. Jason, in your travels, I mean, obviously with this experience with your this emergency surgery, but just in travels in general, uh, what's your... What's your view of mankind now uh, as you've, uh, you just, I mean, the opportunity, I, and again, me as the extrovert thinks this way, uh, the opportunity to interact with so many people from, I mean, multiple cultures, because I guess we're all, you're in the United States, but like, obviously culturally there are, there are significant differences, yeah. you know, all over the place. Uh, have are you are you encouraged are you discouraged do you do you think what like what what's your uh what's your perspective at this point um uh it's very uh it's very fractured i mean there's there's so many uh wonderful things um that we come across and a lot of you know one of one of my one of the things that has really struck with me um over the first several months that we were on the road um, is that we ran into a lot of communities that would be like that you know you'd see on buildings and and signage everywhere uh, like hashtag Aztec Strong the name of the city Strong meaning that they just had a school shooting um, and it never really occurred to me the many different communities that that's been happening to. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we hear about the biggest ones, but there are, there, are, there are a lot smaller ones. And then you drive through a community and you're like, why is this name sticking with me? Is, oh, because I, they had a school shooting two years ago and now I'm, you know, recalling that. Stuff like that is, is challenging to, to process sure. sometimes because you really see like, I mean, you go and see that we've been to like high school football games in, in places that we've gone to on the road just because that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. to do and um you see the people that that has affected instead of seeing it on the news i also think we we all everybody underestimates each other no matter where you're from somebody doesn't understand somebody from a different part of the country um 
from funny, humorous things to real serious stuff. Like, I mean, I've talked to people in New Orleans who were shocked that we have air conditioners in, in Chicago, <laughs> you know, and, and like they had no idea that we actually have air conditioners. Like, no, it actually gets over 100 degrees in Chicago <laughs> in the summer. Uh, stuff like that, but then also stuff like, you know, being from Chicago, people are always asking me about the violence in Chicago. And, um, you know, I tell them like, yeah, it exists, but if you, you know, you cut certain neighborhoods out of Chicago and called them a different name, Chicago would be one of the safest cities in the country. And, you know, then I'll be driving through a, uh, some, some of the back roads of the South and you see all the, the street signs are shot up with bullet holes in them mm. because people feel free to, you know, shoot their guns wherever there and now you know whatever but people are asking me about things being riddled with bullet holes in chicago and i'd never seen a bullet <laughs> hole before in chicago you know i never had any sort of experience like that in my 16 years in in chicago so it, it's just a lot of it and then just not understanding what a state's all about i mean you think a uh, you think a state might be backwards to your beliefs and then you go down there and you realize that there are all kinds of people of all different beliefs and and that's wherever you are i mean mm -hmm. we were in mobile um mobile alabama and uh this campground we're staying at there's a flyer on the wall we look at this flyer and see that it is for um story time with a drag queen that is happening at the library mobile alabama huh. the library they have story time with a drag queen and that's not something you would expect to be no. happening in Mobile, Alabama. No. But no. Mobile is actually a pretty, uh, pretty open and free community. I mean, they've got, uh, they're actually a bigger, um, uh, an earlier Mardi Gras community than New Orleans. Mm. So there's like quite the party atmosphere down there. Uh, but it's, you know, it's just wherever you are, there are people of all, all stripes everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and I think we especially see that in campgrounds. Like, in campgrounds, people are generally on the very far ends of mm -hmm. the political spectrum, particularly. I mean, you'll see RVs that have Trump flags flying over them, and then you'll see two lesbians get out of another RV that's uh -huh. got a that's got a pride flag flowing over it. And, you know, they get along, they're fine, they don't argue with each other and stuff. There's campgrounds are usually a, a positive atmosphere, except for when people start getting rowdy. But um it, it's interesting to to realize that you can be talking to somebody and having a normal conversation with somebody that that you really don't believe at all in what they believe mm -hmm. in um but they're still human you know and there's still there's still more in common between us than than what divides us sure good words joel is it time? Boy, I think I think <laughs> it is time. It is time for the dudes and dads. Wait, hold on. I have a bumper here. Hold on. Now it's time for the dudes and dads pop quiz. <laughs> All right. So those of you who have never joined us, uh, this is a time where Joel and I just ask six to eight random questions of Jason that he doesn't know that we don't know. And we just want to get to know him better because uh, <laughs> our goal for this show is to either have friends on the show or people we want to have become friends with. And so we just want to get to know you better, Jason. So Joel, why don't you kick this off with the first one? All right, Jason, I'm going to put you on the hot seat on here. Uh, favorite. Let's see. Oh, so I'm guessing you've visited the national parks or many of them or been there. So 
Quite can a few. List, yeah. Can you list a, a favorite national park so far? Yeah, um, one of my top favorites is is Voyagers National Park, uh, up in the up basically on the border of Canada and, and uh, Minnesota. We are big. Ba- we're big Boundary Waters fans, so Yay. I I hundred and ten percent love that answer. Thank you. I yes, love getting back into those <laughs> islands away from everything and seeing all the eagles nesting and the dark skies and canoeing through there. It's it's wonderful. National parks are great. It's one of our favorite things to do. Um, mm-hmm. So my question is, what was your first vehicle that you ever owned as as you know a driver you yourself? I had a Chevy Astro van, that blue mail truck box looking thing. Nice. That that lots of people had uh, back in the early nineties. It was one in eight Astro van keys fit another Astro van. <laughs> There were multiple instances of me getting in the wrong one. I mean, several, because they were all the same color. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that happened quite, and you could even start them up. And I, I, there was one time that I actually started driving, and I was like, "Oh man, oh shoot, this is not my stuff. <laughs> That's not my CD on that seat there." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, uh, Jason. What is your favorite? Uh, how we should say it? Your your maybe your your dearest comfort item on the road like what's what's the one thing that you're just like i love this thing and i have to have it with me to feel like the all is right with the world oh gosh um <laughs> wow let me see i i don't know that i have you know I, the sappy answer is my family <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh i am uh i, I really uh loving this knife i have and i was never like a knife person before um but uh for uh, i've I've now have this knife that my stepfather gave me that is um a canadian coast guard knife and uh and it's super sharp and like rides on my hip and i just love it and i i don't know why i I never (laughs) was that kind of person but it's like now my thing. Like I go hiking in the woods. Like I got to have my little knife on. That's me. I don't awesome. Use it for anything. That's, that's the kind of answer, that's the kind of answer I was looking for. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. So as you uh, uh, created your your bussy uh, schoolie, whatever yeah. you call it, um, what was the most challenging thing for you to do to to learn to do for that? Um. Well, learning to do and doing were two different right. things. The most challenging thing to do was to remove the ceiling and the seats. Wow, I would not... Uh, just because it took forever. I would not expect um, that. Yeah, well, each seat is bolted down by like 10 bolts, and the bolts go through the floor, so you make a decision to whether you're going to like put somebody under the bus with a, a wrench and then somebody over the oh, top, uh, in, inside with the wrench. That didn't work for us anyway because all the bolts were seized up. So you have to grind every single one of them off, and there are these incredibly hardened steel bolts and it took me it took me about a week to remove the oh, seats. Man. Uh, and then the ceiling was all is all, all riveted in um, and you have to like cut every single rivet or drill every single rivet out and there's like probably a thousand fifteen hundred rivets and that is another thing it took me a, a, a good week to do uh, like I said before like the most difficult thing for me to learn was probably like diesel mechanic type stuff sure. and I did like a lot of serious repairs on our bus, uh, on the road. Like I, uh, we had some coolant leaks and, uh, 
and all kinds of crazy little weird parts that needed to be changed out and fixed tonight you know really had to dive deep and, and learn about that stuff it was uh, it was a challenge for not knowing anything about it joel uh, okay um let's see here um uh oh do you do you guys uh is there uh is there like a sound i was gonna ask if there's like some sort of soundtrack that you guys uh, have <laughs> what your what your connection with uh with music is or is there like a favorite like uh, uh is there like a, a favorite song that you like to have maybe even right now uh on the road uh to to uh yeah to, to head down the road to uh, we all listen to very different music. I'll say that first. <laughs> um, we have, we all have uh, particularly my wife, myself, and my oldest son all have very different tastes in music. But we all love to listen together to a few things. Uh, the soundtrack from the Muppet movie. Nice. Uh, with like Rainbow Connection and yes. Moving Right Along and those yes. songs. Great. And... Uh, if you're familiar with these these guys that do uh, bad lip readings on, oh, yes, on YouTube? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the Star Wars one, Seagulls Stop It Now. Yes, yes. Is We listen to that at least twice a week <laughs> and have been for a good year. That's awesome. <laughs> as, you, as you should, because it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and every time we're driving somewhere. But when we're driving, we normally listen to podcasts and, um, and audiobooks. Okay, great. Good. Um, I think my last question, you said that you are uh, of the theater uh, you, you know, community. And uh, so what is either your favorite play and or musical? Uh, uh, okay. Um, I'd say my favorite play. Oh, gosh. Um, I think right now it's you know, as it's sort of changed over the years, I'll pr I'm probably going to go with a, a musical and I'm, I'm just right now, I, see, I'm not one for favorites in general, <laughs> Okay, but right, right now I'm like really into like the comedies. So uh, if you're familiar with book of Mormon, mm -hmm. it's, it's wonderfully raunchy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> loving takedown of, of Mormonism. Uh, which is, is, is uh, it's so bad that it's, <laughs> yes. and it's, I mean, it's, it's the South Park creators and yep, it's, nice. it's wonderful. So I'm, I'm into that kind of stuff. <laughs> Joel, any last, oh. any, any last question from you? Let's see here. Um, oh, what, what's the, okay. So I, I can't, we can't top brain surgery on the road, but what's the, what is the weirdest thing that has happened to you guys so far? Oh man. Um, weird, a lot of challenging things. Um, had some like weird animal noises and, and stuff. <laughs> um, so, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this one. This is actually before, just before we started traveling full time, we were doing a lot of tent camping. Um, and that basically that year before we started building out the bus, we were camping at this, um, at this park in Wisconsin, I know it was in, it was in Michigan. Um, and there was something large and loud sniffing around our tent. Ooh. Right. And, uh, I, I mean, it, it seemed like it could be nothing other than a bear. It absolutely had to be a bear of some sort. So I was kind of freaked out, uh, but I got my flashlight out and, you know, opened up the, you know, unzip the window of the tent and roll it down and look out there and take my flashlight out to it. 
and I see the largest raccoon you have ever seen. <laughs> you know, our, our, our trash was hanging from like, they have like these things you can hang your trash from, these posts. And our trash was probably four feet off the ground and it's on its hind legs like eating our trash. Oh, man. It's like the size of a pig. Uh. Uh, and I think that was probably the strangest thing <laughs> we were having and we left they that next day. <laughs> yeah, they, they grow those raccoons big up there. Uh, <laughs> they, do. they do. It's the <laughs> Michigan air. I don't know. I'll That's say cool. uh, one more one more really cool thing Absolutely. that we saw that what that was strange at first because I didn't know what the heck was happening. We were in New Mexico two years ago, middle of the desert, beautiful, empty skies. And I mean there was a UFO over our head. There was like this large or this large like glowing cloud of white with this thing at the tip of it moving forward. It was beautiful and brilliant mm. and was all these like the glowing gases around it and stuff. It ended up being a SpaceX rocket. Wow. I found out the next morning. But I mean, I never thought a SpaceX rocket would look like no. that. And it certainly looks like, you know, you, we had just been to Roswell and gone to the UFO museum and all that sort of stuff. And then there's this thing in the sky that I can't explain. That's awesome. Well, yeah. you have successfully uh, passed the dudes and dads pop quiz. Well done, Jason. Well <laughs> Thank done. You. Well done. Thank you. Thank yes. you again for being on our show. But before we let you go, obviously, we said you were a podcaster and you're a blogger. So go ahead and plug all of your podcasts and all of the stuff that you do so that our listeners can can find you. Sure. So we uh, we run the RV Miles website, rvmiles.com. Uh, and we write news stories about traveling and the RV industry. And there you'll also find our podcasts. We have three podcasts. The RV Miles podcast is about RVing and full-time RVing um, and camping and U.S. travel. We talk about where we go and what we've done and all the cool things that we get to find on the road. Um, and, uh, and then we have the America's National Parks podcast, which is sort of a narrative scripted podcast where we tell the history um, or something uh, that's going on at a, a National Park Service site somewhere in the country and and then we have our newest podcast which is the see america podcast we launched that literally in the middle of my brain surgery <laughs> epidemic there we had like two weeks i was writing it in the, the first episode in the hospital and uh and it sort of gave me something to do when we got out so when i got out of the hospital we started recording them so see america is very similar to the national parks podcast and that it's narrative and it's about the history of different cool places that we experience around the country. Uh, but it's, but it's obviously, it's just not national parks. It's right. like roadside attractions and museums and stuff like that. So very, very that's awesome. where you can find us all, all over social media doing the same stuff, same names. Yeah. And, and as always, everybody will have all of uh, their good info on our website over at dudesanddadspodcast.com. So you can check it out in the show notes. We'll make sure to give uh, links and all the good information, but uh, Jason, again, you're our hero, man. We appreciate you. Thanks so much. It's awesome. We're, uh, for, we, we know where to go uh, for all of our traveling <laughs> advice moving forward. So thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me, guys. <laughs>